to another episode of G220 Radio. This is Ricky Gantz along with Mike Miller. And this is episode number 479. Episode 479, The Spirit of Truth and the Spirit of Error. Continuing in our series in 1 John, going into chapter 4, verses 1 through 6. But as we before we get started, as we do here on G220 Radio, let's find out how Mike's doing and find out a little bit about how our weeks have been. So, Mike, how we doing, brother? Doing pretty good. It's been a long. It's been a it's been a long lot of months, but I'm doing pretty good. A long lot of months. It's yeah. a long time. Yeah, it's long. Yeah. Well, it's been a pretty good uh, week and weekend for myself, as Mike knows, and many of you know. We went down to the Kentucky Derby. Um, great time out there, but a very long time. I mean, we spent about 22 hours out evangelizing. Um, we stayed an hour away from Louisville. <clears throat> so our goal next year is to try to get closer because that really kind of hindered. Um, I mean, it was still good and it was cost efficient for us to stay there. But it was, you know, when you get done from a long day and then you grab something to eat, by the time you get back, it was like 11 o'clock. We'd get back and we'd do a devotional and prayer and then we would hit the sack like around midnight every day and then get up early in the morning and start another day. So it was long days, but, oh man, all glory to God. It was a, a really good time, a really good time out there. Yeah. You gotta hurry up and get the, uh, get everything while it's still cheap. I mean, not that, I mean, it's always the same weekend, so it's not like you can, you know, the hotels know. It's always going to be the first weekend of May. Right. So, usually trying to get those Airbnb people. Yeah. Well, our plan right now is, is I mean, I come back. Every time you come back from the Derby, you're just kind of on fire. You're just kind of excited. Whenever you go on these big evangelistic outreaches. And so I came back and I was already telling my wife, like, we need to work towards seeking to, because we don't always ask for donations here at G220 Radio. Um, we do at times, we ask for it on G220 Ministries or G220 Radio for things that we would like to invest into the either the radio show or into the ministry. So I did some stuff with our, uh, we have some uh, shirts out there for the G220 Ministries. I made some changes, tried to uh, do a little bit of editing with them and uh, trying to put them out there. They're kind of expensive, but the only way that we could get anything in profit that would be profitable for the ministry was to kind of raise those prices in that. But other people, if they'd like to donate, they can do so through Venmo or through PayPal. All you got to do is reach out to me or Mike and let us know what you want to donate to either the radio show or to the ministry's evangelistic missions. And we will put those funds where they got to go. We are not a nonprofit. So um, you're giving out of your generous heart if you just gonna say mike i was gonna say you could also uh buy us coffee we have that set up so you can go and uh buy us a coffee i yeah. think it's buyacoffee.com buy us a coffee.com yeah something like that i don't know we have to we have to where this is all as, new to us so as you know i have it right here i know exactly what it is 
Yeah. Buy me a coffee. That's what it's yeah, called. Yeah, buy me a coffee. And it's not like we start the radio programs usually off like this, but we were just talking about the Derby. But as Mike was saying, this is something we want to plan to, towards next year. And we want to start kind of early in that because mm-hmm. what we would love to do as a ministry is be able to effectively cover the cost for those that give towards the missions only. I mean, if people give to G220 Radio, that money usually goes for equipment or other things that we need for the radio program. But if someone specifically wants to give towards missions, then that will help facilitate. Because what I'd love to do is is facilitate some of that cost so that the guys that are going don't have that coming out of their pocket, which would then open open them up for more guys to maybe come as well. Um, and just kind of reduce the, the cost coming out of pocket. Because all of us that do evangelism, we are a, a we're not a 501c3 kind of ministry here. Um, we don't have a lot of funds coming in. We fund ourselves. We we work. And then that was one of the funny things that you hear all the time at the Derby. People walk by and say, get a job. <laughs> like, like we don't have a job because we're out there evangelizing. But yeah. anyways, I digress, right? So, but our goal is to get, something earlier next year, like try to set up an Airbnb or something earlier so we can get closer to Louisville, either in Louisville or right outside of it. So it's not an hour commute to and from, and that will allow us to have a little bit more time uh, to hook up, you know, like would I love to hook up with Mike down there. Um, Just the way the Derby went and the timing and where we stayed, it just did not make it possible. And so hopefully uh, next year we can kind of, work some of that stuff in and make it better, but still have a voice, which is great. Yeah. Um, you know, those are long days. It's little horsed, little horsed, little horsed. Got some sunburn, usually turns into tan after uh, the first burn, but uh, Hey, it was a good time. All in all, a good time. Yeah. I was busy all weekend. Yeah. So just, I wasn't able to get out. We had, um, planned some stuff for that week this last weekend so wish to kind of get up or to meet up but in the lord's providence it is what it is and maybe next year you come down like on thursday or wednesday and like we could do something on thursday yeah you know because yeah. i mean or you just to stay for the whole derby season you know come for like two Thunder. straight weeks Come thunder, you got parades and galas and this thing and that thing and basketball games. I didn't realize how big of a deal it is. Gas prices shoot up 50 cents. You know, it's it's a big deal for a two-minute race. Well, it was a big deal in two days. We parked at a Catholic church and uh, because we were driving around looking for parking. And... uh, (laughs) There was a guy standing outside of his house and said, hey, park here for $30. And we're like, where are we parking? He said, in the back of my house. Just go down this alley. And we were like, okay, that sounds a little shady. That's that's kind of expensive, man. I usually yeah, well, get off about 20 bucks. Yeah, well, it was up there this year, obviously, maybe because they were trying to make up for COVID. Who knows? But um, <clears throat> so we went down the street a little ways and we found this Catholic church for $35 for parking. The next day we went back. That was the Oaks. The next day we went back for the Derby. It went from 35 up to 50. <laughs> so we were like, we're not parking there. Yeah. Not this day. <clears throat> so the last time I went, I paid 25 and I parked right across the street from the Derby. Nice. Um, on the backside of the track. 
So, yeah, it's, I mean, it's a thing here. People will list their house only for the Derby and they make so much money. They'll go basically pay for their own vacation someplace yeah. else. Like it's people know, know how to do it. You know, oh yeah. Selling. They, they were grilling. definitely, yeah, they were definitely making money off the parking there. So Jason Andrews said, uh, what's up brothers? God bless. And welcome back. He's a brother at my church has a ministry. We are free. Indeed. We are free. Indeed ministries. Uh, Jason, glad to be back. Looking forward to seeing you as soon as possible. I've got surgery this Thursday on my nose. So, uh, they're going to be realigning that open, <laughs> not plastic surgery. I'm not trying to, you know, it's more of a, uh, you know, reconstruction there. I'm going to be a reconstructionist. <laughs> that was a little joke. I don't know uh, if you'll get it, but <clears throat> I got it. But, uh, yeah, but I'm going to do some, uh, have some reconstruction on my nose to kind of help me breathe a little better, maybe help with some of the medical issues that I've had over the last couple of years. So you guys can keep me in prayer. I would really appreciate it. Um, I don't know how long that's going to keep me out or how long I know that I go in, uh, and the next day after the surgery, I go back and they do some unpacking, they pull some stuff out. And then they, the next week I go back a week later and they unpack the nose. So for a whole week, I don't know how it's going to, I don't know how I'm going to deal with not being able to breathe out of my nose for a week, but we'll see how it goes. And so hopefully I'll be able to go to church on Sunday. Um, I'm, I'm hoping that that won't hinder me from that. I don't know what kind of pain I'll be in or anything like that. Cause I've never had this before, so we'll see. <clears throat> but it is 10 minutes after the start of the show, and so we probably should get moving. We've got six verses today. I got six that, verses. Six verses, but that does not mean that we're going to get done in like 10 minutes because not here on G220 Radio, right? No. <clears throat> All right, let's see. Jason says, yeah, I know. I know. Make sure you give me the, give me the hospital name so I can visit and support you, brother. Well, right, hopefully Kat's- I won't be. I'm gonna say hopefully I won't be staying in there longer than the the sur- the the, uh, the surgery. But probably can't even go because COVID. Oh yeah, that's true. Yeah, COVID. Everything's so messed up with COVID today, I man. Know. Like I my know. wife went. She had she had um to go in. She had a sinus infection and went into the doctor. They wouldn't even let her come in. Like, well, she went in and talked to the nurse, but then was told that she has to wait in her car and do the doctor's appointment via phone. Like, you watch it. Like, you have an interaction via, like, Zoom, right? And then they were like, you have, we, you might have COVID. She's like, I don't have COVID. I think I have a sinus infection. Could I get an antibiotic? They wrote her an antibiotic, but they also tested her for COVID and said, don't take the antibiotic till we know you don't have COVID. <laughs> and then they called the next day and said, uh, you don't have COVID. No worries. She's like, I wasn't worried about it. So... Yeah. New World Order, COVID. I mean, we should just change the show right there. COVID, New World Order. We can probably fill. Hey, if we go dispensational, we'll probably get a lot of followers back. Yeah, there we go. I mean, hey, everybody will want to tune in because you start talking about end times and everybody gets excited like, oh, the mark of the beast. Tell me about it. Tell me about the Antichrist. We're going to talk about the Antichrist tonight, aren't we? We should probably segue into that. There we go. So... All right, so let me read this verse, uh, this first six cha- uh, verses in chapter four. Chapter four. Again, the title of tonight's show is uh, The Spirit of Truth and the Spirit of Error. Spirit of Truth and the Spirit of Error. All right, so 
Chapter 4 of 1 John. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you which you heard was coming and now is in the world already. Little children, you are from God and have overcome them. For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. They are from the world. Therefore, they speak from the world and the world listens to them. We are from God. Whoever knows God listens to us. Whoever is not from God does not listen to us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. So, Mike, I don't know if you want to jump in. We're going to go verse by verse through this. We're going to kind of talk our way through uh, this passage. But, Mike, any any thoughts you want to give to our listeners now about this, maybe as, a, as an overview of what we're about to get in? I mean, you see it. Obviously, even early on in Christian history, the history of the church. You have false teachers. You have people who are denying Christ has come in the flesh. This shouldn't surprise us. Um, there's always people resisting the revelation of God. We'll probably get into that more, or I will. Um, but yeah, you just see the idea of, I mean, the split. Either you're of God or you're not of God. Either you believe Jesus came in the flesh or you don't. Either you believe who Jesus is or you don't. And there's no this there's no kind of middle ground. And this is what John has really been given to us cuz ultimately it comes down to is do you abide in him or do you not? Mm. What does it mean to abide in to abide in the Trinity and what does it mean to not abide? And how does this look out? And we've seen the idea of Antichrist already come up kind of in the middle of chapter two, talking about those who have come into the church, but they've left the church. They've gone out. And if they would have been of the church, we know they would have remained. But they had false teaching. They left. They weren't other people. They didn't have fellowship with God, and they don't have fellowship with God's people. And so now John kind of relating and continuing and pushing to say, kind of now maybe dealing with more explicitly the teachings in which separates those who have left there in chapter two versus what is true and righteous. And so I think you see it, and then you get this idea again of the world. What does it mean to be of the world? This is a different use than what we saw in First um, John 2, when Christ is a propitiation of the world, and the idea of the natural world. Here he's talking about world as a system against right. God, in right. which sinners dwell in. <clears throat> and to to think about it in that way, and I think... You know, obviously, this is getting close to the end of the chapter. He's kind of, in one sense, wrapping it, starting to wrap it up. In another sense, he's going to continue to to labor this idea of 
kind of theology and uh, practice. What does it mean to know who God is? And then how does that affect how we live? And this is a theme he's been constantly going after repeatedly throughout this book. Yeah. And this, this, as we kick this off in verse one, this, this, the way that John, the apostle identifies the saints, the beloved, we've seen this already in this book. We, we've gone through first John, or we're going through first John now in chapter four, we've done chapter two and chapter three, but six times in the book of first John, he uses this term beloved. He uses this term four times in the, in the book of third John, right? This, this term of this, this love, this one that is loved by God. And it takes my mind back to, uh, let me look down at my notes here, to John chapter 21, verse 20, when, when we see that the way that it's laid out there is that Christ was with the disciple whom he loved, referring to himself. This, 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 endearment, endear, this term of endearment, you know, that, that these Christians, these saints— are beloved by God. They're not just a friend. This is a beloved member of the body. This is another child of God that he is speaking to, right? And so he's he's laying that out there. And just this term of endearment, it's just it's it's so nice to see this love that the Christians, the early Christians had for one another. And I, I feel like sometimes within the body, um, we do see this in in some churches, like like Jason was on here, and and maybe he's still on here. This brother has a love for people, right? And so you can still see that even in the church today. But sometimes in in some of these churches that we've encountered or people that we've encountered on the streets, there's like a lack of love for the brethren. There there's there's a desire to want to be divisive and and hey, we need to stand for truth. We're gonna find that out here because if you're not, you may not be a child of God. But like just trying to to nitpick over every little thing that's not necessarily as I got to be careful how I say this because I do believe all doctrine is important and 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 matters theology matters but like the love for our brethren you know what I mean so yeah and I you know and he says this not making distinctions it's not like beloved is mature christians and, you know, there's these other Christians not as mature and they're not part of this. Mm -hmm. That all who call upon the name of the Lord and are right. saved, who've been regenerated by the Spirit, are beloved. That's right. Amen. And so, I mean, John isn't trying to reject people that call themselves Christians. He's calling them to do something. He's calling them to think about it. And so when we, when we see even, you know, the, these terms that are used, even Paul has these same terms. We see this repeatedly of these familiar terms, ones mm -hmm. who are beloved, one little children yeah um and to think about i mean just the understanding that we're not just we're enemies and now we're friends 
we're in God's family. He is our father as the Jesus instructs us to pray mm-hmm. and to, to think about John cares about these people. Right. And he says he, you know, he cares because he repeatedly calls them beloved. Yeah. Beloved. And to think about what that means and to be one who God loves. I mean, we could probably spend an entire show just kind of teasing out all of that kind of in a biblical, theological, and systematic way. Right. And, and, And as we progress here, even in this first verse, the idea that he has this love for these saints in this church that he's writing to, he's warning them to test the spirits. This is a concern for them. So this is another thing. This is why I say like there's there's this love that we should have for one another. And so when you see a brother, when you see a sister that is going down the wrong path, you want to warn them so that they're not deceived. And so John is doing that here. He says, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. Many false prophets have gone out into the world. But this little section here, do not believe every spirit. And so by the mention of spirit here, I believe John is returning to what was suggested in chapter two. And Mike, you already brought this out. He's going back and saying, you know, the Antichrist has already come. He, he's already here. There are, there are many Antichrists here now. And he's saying, so test these spirits because there's a lot of people who claim to be of God a prophet of God or a, a teacher of God, and they use it for their, their gain. Um, and they may even be self-deceived themselves. And so he's trying to warn them to test these spirits, you know, and it's not just necessarily referring to only individuals, but the doctrines as well. So mm-hmm. you may have somebody that comes along, like it's real easy to throw out like a Benny Hinn, a T.D. Jakes, a Creflo Dollar, a Joyce Meyer, a Paula White. Those are easy. Those, those are easy, you know, people to kind of look at and say, man, I can see right through their, their teaching because it's not biblical, right? But then you look at some of these other guys who seem to be more solid and you have to be able to discern. So how do you do that? You test the spirit. So not necessarily just meaning the, the, the spirit in which they're moving, but the doctrine as well. You test the doctrine in which they are teaching. Yeah. And there's one sense in which we shouldn't be surprised by this. Here, right. this is a quote from Did You Miss the Blind? I don't know his years. It's a good quote, though. Um, early church, he's a church father. He goes, just as in ancient Israel, there were some prophets who spoke the word of God and others that did not. So also, as the apostles appeared, speaking in speaking in Christ and having the Holy Spirit whom the Lord had given them, many false apostles were sent by the devil to counterfeit the teachings of the gospel. It is essential to have the gift of the Holy Spirit, which is called the discerning spirit, in order that we may be of ability to test the spirit and to see which one of those are to be believed and which are ones to be rejected. And he covers a couple different points, but kind of in this first point, John knows if you read the Old Testament, you see that false prophets arised. And 
the Israelites in the law were to test the prophet's words to see if they were of God. Mm. If they weren't, they were to be stoned because they claimed to spoke speak on behalf of God. And yet when their prophecies came, were not true, they would make God out to be a liar. Right. You know, you have that and which John has already kind of talked about in the beginning of first John. And so when John is telling us, Hey, you need to test every spirit. He's really pulling in and continuing idea that people will claim to speak on behalf of God when they're not really of God. They don't mm -hmm. have God's intentions in mind. They're not a Samuel. There's someone else. They're more akin to like a cop, a prophet, a prophet of Baal, Baal versus, you know, a prophet like Elijah. And, you know, you read the kings, especially in Israel, and just tons of false prophets. And Israel's being ruled by false prophets in its latter half before um, they're exiled. And I think that's important for us to to think about is that John, in one sense, isn't giving us a new command, but it's a new command. You know, test the prophets. And I, I think also, you know, to help us, which isn't, you know, formulating this exactly, is that we need the spirit. Yeah. And that, you know, kind of in Romans 8, that our spirit testifies, that the spirit testifies to our spirit, that which we are of God. Well, the spirit also brings us to truth right? and to knowledge, as John mentions right. in uh, John 13, 14. And so John here, you know, I think you should take it seriously. It is imperatives. Believe, don't believe every uh, spirit, test the spirits. Those are mm -hmm. commands given. And so we should. And that means that, there's a way that Christians should always be discerning. Right. Well, just like, I mean, in the examples of this testing the spirits, right? We go to Acts chapter 17 and verse 11 about the Bereans when Paul says, be like these Bereans. They search the scriptures to see if the things that I'm telling them are true. We as Christians need to be like the Bereans. We need to test these spirits because not everybody that comes and says they're coming in the name of Christ is a genuine Christian. I mean, we've seen that at the Derby. We see that at the Derby every year. There's a lot of people that come out there and preach on the streets at the Derby. Not everybody should be out there preaching on the streets at the Derby because some of those guys are heretics and they're preaching a false gospel, right? And so, but how would you know? Because there's a lot of things they say that we would agree with. You know, when the Bible says homosexuality is a sin and they're focusing upon homosexuality, I can't disagree with them that homosexuality is a sin. It is a sin. But when they say, we're not sinners, we're not born sinners, God doesn't know everything. You can, once you become a Christian, you're sinless. You know, this Pelagian view. Well, now you're teaching heresy. And if, if, if people aren't able to discern those things, if they're not searching the scriptures to see if these things be true, they can be easily pulled into those false teachings. Mm -hmm. But the Spirit does intercede on our behalf and leads us into all truth. Another example is Revelation chapter 2, verse 2, when John is, is writing this revelation of Jesus Christ, and he says, write this to, the, to these churches. 
And to this church in Ephesus, he writes and he says, I know your works, your toil, and your patient endurance, and how you cannot bear with those who are evil, but have tested those who call themselves apostles and are not, and found them to be false. And that's Christ commending this church for doing that. Yeah. So John is here doing, saying, telling us to do this, and then Christ commends them in Ephesus for doing it. Yep. I think we also, also should see... We've kind of been talking more about external threats. Mm. We're hearing teachings. We're hearing different things. But I think the church fathers help us to realize that this can also come from within. So here is John Cassian. He goes, first, we must scrutinize thoroughly everything that appears in our hearts as Mm. well as everything that is said to us. Yeah. And to think about, look, we still live in a sinful body. Mm -hmm. We still are ones who need the renewal of the spirit continually. While hearts have been changed, we long for perfection. We still have sin that, while defeated, still has some control. He continues, as it comes to purified by the divine and heavenly father of the Holy Spirit. Or does it lean towards the Jewish superstition? So he's talking about this uh, scrutinizing it. Is it surface piety, something which came down from a bloaty worldly philosophy? We must examine all this most carefully, doing as the apostle bids us. And then Polycarp talks about how we should be doing this with prayer watching unto prayer he says or persevering in fasting beseeching our supplications um the all-seeing god who does not lead us in temptation as the lord has said the spirit is willing but the flesh is weak mm. i think to to think about um these types of ideas yes there are threats outside in which we much be discerning but we also need to be discerning of our own thoughts are we taking our thoughts captive yeah to the word of god are we thinking about things and then using scripture to scrutinize them and so i think john you know while i think he has this outward focus in his letter being of the separatist and the false teaching that comes arise But part of that is also, is this something like this false teaching sounds good? It sounds right. I mean, Arius got a lot of people to follow him later on, denying that um, Jesus is the second person of the Trinity. And, but I think that's where to think about and to scrutinize our own hearts and are we holding to what the Bible says? Yeah. You know what, you know what I, I'm, I think about when you say this, I think about a lot of things. I think about my own heart, my intentions in things, you know, we even had this conversation, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, on our trip down to the Derby with the guys in the car, because we do this podcast here. We're, we're out there for people to see us. And we're a small show. We're not, we're not expecting to become famous through this or like we've got this big, huge following. We know we don't, right? 
But we enjoy talking about the things of the Lord. We want to leave a legacy so that our children can come back when we're gone and their grandchildren can come back and watch grandpas, you know, uh, talking about, about the Lord. We've got where we want to leave a legacy. But you got to always check your motives. When we make these videos, when we go out and evangelize, checking your motives. Am I doing this? This is the conversation we was having with some of the guys. Am I doing these things because I want to be seen by men? Or are we doing these things because we want to encourage others to evangelize and, and, and realize that while we don't believe everybody should be a street preacher, we want to encourage you to come out. But you always have to check your motive of your heart. Because sometimes we can even deceive ourselves to think, I'm doing this to encourage people. But deep down inside there, I really want to be seen and known. Right? And then the other part of that is, that that kind of came up as you was thinking or talking through that, and I was thinking about doctrine-wise, is the doctrine of eternal conscious torment. Some people don't like that doctrine. And so they say, well, you know, I think I don't see it there... I think God's going to just annihilate people or, you know, he, he in the end, because they start to view this differently and try to pull towards something that kind of makes it sound a little better or makes it a little sound a little less um, eternal of this punishment, you, you go into annihilism and then maybe even into universalism before you know it, you're a heretic, right? Um, and that's one that came up because I, I think we see that even in our day, people that are starting to question it more and more. I think Rob Bell, who many people would say, yeah, we know he's a heretic with his love wins. But then people who are still even today, some of them even claiming to be reformed in their soteriology saying, let's rethink hell. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that's, um, you know, important that, you know, to consider all of these, you know, aspects. And I even think, I mean, Ephesians 6 tells us we're in a war. And when we consider even the armor, and you can listen to the episode of what you about that. I don't remember what episode that was, but we've talked, we did an entire episode on the armor of God um, with it. But what's the kind of two weapons? Well, there's the sword of the word. And that's kind of the only weapon. You have a, your shield of faith. There's that defense. But kind of the power behind it and what we all try to make is that we just don't don the armor of God is. It's what God gives us. And he also gives us the spirit to pray for the strength in the battle. And I think we can see here. I mean, we don't need explicit statements talking about the trinity because we see it Mm -hmm. like even in our passage you have god who is the father here you have the spirit of god it's the spirit and you have jesus christ they're all mentioned they all have their role how do you know the spirit well you just can't know what impersonal force, as the Jehovah Witnesses will say. He has to be a being. He has yeah. to be a person. Not he is a being, but a person. And we start fitting this together. And that's where the false prophets come. They 
they not only make God out to be a liar, but they conceal the truth. They hide it. And they muddy it. Yeah, and and, as you're talking about false prophets there, that last part of this first, of this portion of of verse one, many false prophets have gone out into the world. This is John speaking in the first century. There's many false prophets then, and we have them today. There's many false prophets today. So we have to be willing and able to test those spirits. And you have to do it by the word of God. Apart from the word of God, how are you going to know? I mean, how many times have we had those conversations with people and they say, well, you don't really, you just need to know the gospel that Jesus died for your sins. Jesus loves us. You don't really need to dig deep into theology or doctrine. Mm -hmm. The very fact that you know that the gospel says that Jesus Christ came and died, it was buried and rose again on the third day. That's doctrine. That's theology. Yeah. You know, to say God is love is theology. So you can't separate that. So why wouldn't you want to go deeper so that you are not deceived and that you can help brothers and sisters not be deceived because they are beloved? I mean, I wouldn't want anyone in my family to be deceived by, you know, anyone spiritually. I wouldn't want them to be deceived by anybody in the world. I would do my best to protect them. And so as Christians, if we truly love our brethren, we want to help them and to... uh encourage them to study the scriptures so that you have the armor of God, that you have it to protect you when the enemy comes. So many false prophets go out in the world. We even see this in Matthew 24. Christ, it's mentioned Christ in in verse 11, he says, and many false prophets will arise and lead many astray. And in verse 24 of the same chapter, he says, for false Christ and false prophets will arise to perform great signs and wonders so as to lead astray even if possible, even the elect. So again, Christ is warning. Now we're here. Christ has died, buried, was rose again on the third day. He's ascended into heaven, and, and John is now writing because they're beginning to see these antichrists come into the world, these false prophets that are coming in, that are saying contrary doctrines than what the apostles are laying down that they heard from Christ. Yeah. And it's important to go, like, kind of to move forward as we run out of time is um, that everyone has a message. Either they're going to confess that Jesus has come into the flesh, which is theologically important, even for the God, I mean, fundamental for the gospel. The early church hammered this idea that if Jesus isn't like us, he can't take our sins. He can't be the penal substitutionary sacrifice for us. And so if Jesus has come into the flesh, it's from God. So we know that because the Spirit is confirming, is saying what the Bible has told us, what God has revealed to us in a covenant text. As in, so it makes sense that every spirit that doesn't confess Jesus is not from God. Right. And to think about, I mean, the gospel message. How, if Jesus isn't human, there's no resurrection. And Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, there's no resurrection. We have no hope. Right. 
there's no hope for eternal life and everything we do is is vain it's worthless it's meaningless we might as well just shut down the shop because it doesn't work which also means our sins are not atoned for our sins will still require the wrath that god has given this is the importance and when you think about isaiah 53 that the messiah is going to come and bear our iniquity and this idea i think it it becomes important that we false teaching especially i mean heresy is that anything that directly contracts the gospel or the nature the persons in nature of god and i mean just think how fast they've gone to heresy in mm. matter of 30 years 40 years right you know 50 60 depends on when you think first john's written i mean jesus or paul's dealing with it he dies in 63 and to think about that but then it, it just shows that the devil is trying to go the devil while he's been defeated in in one sense he hasn't been totally defeated as god continues to save people but we should see that from genesis 3 this has been what he's done yeah he's denied god in one way or another and i think important in that confessing that jesus christ has come in the flesh we got to understand that that it's not only simply referring to the coming in the flesh it's coming in, it, it this is this is the the whole of the gospel mm -hmm. right the whole of as you were saying that that christ is truly human and yet he's truly divine you can't separate the two natures of God. They don't mix together into one, one new person there. They're, they're distinct, like two natures there. They don't intermingle. It's 100% God, 100% man. That's important to understand. Um, the fact that Christ was sinless, he was born of a virgin, never sinned in his life, did what the first Adam could not do, overcame the temptations, in his humanity, because a lot of times people will say, well, well, of course he did. He was God. He suffered that, and he observed, or took on those temptations as a human in his flesh, and he overcame them, which gives us the ability and or gives us the understanding that we can, too, in Christ, overcome those things in the flesh. And so you got to understand these things. They're important. The doctrine of the Trinity is important because if you don't understand God, Christ rightly, you don't have the Father. If you don't have the Father, you don't have the Son. Mm -hmm. Right? you got to understand these things because we there's way too many people that preach too many things that are contrary to the Word of God. And I always say, like, look, there are things that are non-essential that we can disagree on and still be brothers in, in the Lord. Right? But when it comes to God... When it comes to the person and work of Christ, you know, so God, the Trinity, the triune, the triunity of God, the, the fact that God is the, um, you take all of his attributes, you, you try to attack God, you're going to have yourself some problems. You're going to be in heresy. You attack, attack the deity of Christ, you're going to be in heresy. And you attack the gospel, 
that we're not saved by justification of faith alone. We're not justified by faith alone, but we're saved by our faith plus works or plus whatever you want to throw in there. Those are, are, are vital to the faith. To have anything other or contradictory to that, you're outside of it. Yeah. And, I mean, we've got to this, you know, in this last part of chapter 3, or verse 3, you know, this is already here. Mm-hmm. Like, we're not waiting. In one sense, we're waiting for the final reveal of the Antichrist. And... Depending on your eschatology, right? Yeah. I mean, I guess the Pope's here, so... um, But, you know, there is... We know that... I mean, the devil's just what he does. And that he wants to hinder believers he wants to hinder those who call upon the name of the lord i mean the book of job shows us that um and we see god sustain job through it though he may question and come to some false conclusions because we're imperfect people and i think and even with that john knows it but then he encourages us verse four little children you are from God. And he who is in you, the spirit of God, is greater than the antichrists or the spirits of the antichrist. And so while we're called to test, we're encouraged. It's like, look, God is in you. The one who dwelled in the Holy of Holies in the Old Testament he is now resides in you. You're from him. And he is greater than the one who is in the world. He's greater than the devil. And so there's, in a real tangible way, strength to go. I can, with strength, be able to test these spirits. Because the Spirit's in me. I have the Spirit. And we should find great encouragement in that. Again, he uses little children, that that familiar um, term and doing with this. But we have we have God in us. Let's I mean that's a powerful thing. That the one who created all things now resides in us. He has made us his temples for us to shine to the world and to call people back to him. Yeah. And in verse five here, it says they are from the world. And again, Mike, you've already kind of touched on the fact that we're not, we're not dealing with the world as a cosmos. We're talking about the system of this world. Right. So they are from the world. So again, this is referring to the false prophets, false teachers uh, that, that, that have gone out into the world and had the spirit of Antichrist in them, a state of unregeneracy, carnality, and darkness. And they indulged themselves in the worldly lusts and were seeking after worldly things. Uh, and therefore, they speak from the world. Obviously, they're going to speak with worldly wisdom. 
Mr. Worldly Wise always comes to mind when I think of that from the Pilgrim's mm -hmm. Progress, right? And the world listens to them. Why? Because we have itching ears that seek the desires of our own hearts, our own flesh, our own wickedness. So if somebody, like, and again, this is easy, low-hanging fruit, right? But if somebody's preaching this health, wealth, and prosperity gospel, and your God is money, you're going to buy into this and say, I want to get rich. Let me sow a seed so that I can line my pockets and it's going to come in, you know? Um, that's just, you're going to listen to the worldly wisdom. You're going to listen to that carnality because again, your God is not the God of scripture. You're not getting wisdom from God who Christ is the wisdom of God, the wisdom and the power of God. And you're not getting it from there. You're getting it from Mr. Worldly Wise. Yeah. And we should see, I mean, this is what makes it hard. We live in this world. Jesus prays that we stay in this world, you know, not to pull us out. And God has a purpose for us, even though, as Paul says, to be with the Lord is better. And so even when we think about not to not believe every spirit and to test it, What's well, because we're inundated with the world. I mean, as Ephesians 2, we were once part of this world, this world that hates God. We followed the course of of the world in the power of the of the air. We followed our own lusts and our own desires. But the key word, but God mm -hmm. in verse four. God saved us. And so when we think about it, look, they, yes, they're in this world and they may find carnal truths in this world because this is God's world. But the world listens to them. And I mean, what better example than what you've already said currently at the Derby? People attacking, don't you have a job? They don't want to hear the message of salvation. The word came into the light, and the world didn't want it. I mean, John paints that picture for us in the Gospel of John in chapter 1. The world rejected Jesus. The Roman Empire the Pharisees, the Sadducees, all, all the religious leaders. The world rede rejects God. 1 Corinthians 2. Greek seeks for wisdom, or yeah, Greek seek for wisdom, Jews seek for sign, but we preach Christ crucified. That's right. And <clears throat> that's because we have something different. And that's how we know it from God. Verse 6. Because whoever listens to us mm -hmm. is of God. Because they see the message. They understand it. The sheep know the shepherd's voice. And Jesus is the shepherd. He's the good shepherd of Psalm 23. And those who don't want God don't listen to us, which is why they leave the church. They don't mm -hmm. want to be a part of it. 
they've left the church because of their wrong beliefs. They're not a part of us. So how do we know the difference between the spirit of truth and a spirit of error? Well, it's what do you believe? What do you hold to? Do you hold to the world? And when we think about those who want to say doctrine divide or I don't need doctrine. I mean, besides the fact they're completely misguiding and everyone has doctrines. Everyone believes something. Right. Either you believe the right doctrines or you don't. You know, either you're reformed or you're not. I'm just kidding. That was a joke. That was a joke. Kind of. If you're not, talk to us after the show. We will help <laughs> you get the right theological standpoint. Um, you know, you're covenantal, not dispensational. You know, that's... No, I'm just kidding. Like, either you love God and his word and his people, or you don't. And you rejoice in to hear God speak, or you don't. I think that's when we think about testing the spirits when we think about understanding what is the spirit of truth and what is the spirit of error it really comes down to is do you believe what the bible is saying or are you going to go off and slowly erode what god has revealed to us because he's spoken by the prophets in these last days he has spoken by his son but all scripture is breathed out by god and so we it really comes down to do we believe the Bible and what it teaches or do we not? Because that's how God speaks. That's how God has spoken to us. You know, our, <clears throat> our friend of the show, the original Natty P, who was with me at the Derby, right? He led us in a devotional because we had this broke down. We had it set up where... Each guy was going to lead a devotional either at night or in the morning. And he led this devotion. And in his giving of the devotion, he said, we need to have a godly, like a jealousy for God's word, like an, like a, a, um, a desire for the truth of God's word and stand upon it. Right now. Again, we want to be very kind and gracious to our brothers and sisters who are learning and growing, and maybe we're not all on the same theological plane right now, <clears throat> because there's people that are way more knowledgeable than me and Mike here. I mean, you know, there's a lot of people that are very, very solid theologically. We're not all on the same level at times. Like we're we are all growing at different, in different seasons in different ways. So, so far as we are in the Word of God, right? We're growing. Um, and we should be growing. <clears throat> but while we still have those those differences where we can love a brother who may be a dispensationalist, right? <clears throat> we'll throw that out there. It's an easy one to have a disagreement on and still call somebody a brother. Uh -huh. um, but yet, we still should be jealous for the word of God that we don't let people come in and blaspheme the name of God, that come in and uh, pervert and twist the word of God for their godly, you know, for their their own gain to align their pockets off the perverting of the word of God. We should have like a jealousy for God's word that we stand and we fight for the word of God to defend it, 
to preach it truthfully. And again, not that we always get everything right. That's why iron sharpens iron. Brothers, we test the spirits because we say, hey, brother, that doesn't sound right. Let's let's go to the scriptures and examine that, you know? And it could genuinely just be that the brother's in error, not that he's a heretic. And the Lord may work that person back into more truth because the spirit's always leading us into truth and during this walk of sanctification, right? We wouldn't say here at G220 Radio that everyone that's a Christian has perfect theology, has perfect knowledge of the Word of God. We're growing in that. Even when we get to heaven, we will still be growing in our understanding of God because we could never exhaust all of God who is eternal, right? And so we'll know more than we know now. We will no longer see dimly as we do here but we're still going to be learning and in the presence of God for all of eternity and not exhaust that. So we can have patience and grace with our brothers and sisters who we have some disagreements with theologically, but we need to really stand firm when we have people that are coming in that are not of the spirit of truth, but are of the spirit of error and seeking to devour the brothers and sisters within the body. Yeah. And, you know, to know and to, to kind of push on it is that this idea of hearing is not just, well, you you just hear a voice. This is a hearing that moves towards an action. That's right. It's a, it's a hearing of understanding, you know, kids are easy to demonstrate this tell your kid to do something and if they're polite they may say yes sir yes madam they heard you but did they really hear you i mean in 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 the way that john's using this no cuz if you told them to do something and they heard you they would do that now there's this you know this idea of obedience kind of even this example but what do the world people go to? Well, they hear the world and they do what the world does. Right. They, they are in, in that sense. They're, the hearing brings about an action. And the same thing is for, you know, those who hear God. I mean, James tells us, just don't be hearers of the word, but doers. So I think John hears it. As we look at scripture and says it, you just can't hear the word of God, but it should bring about some sort of action. And so, and this relates to what John has been saying, that you need to have the right teaching but you also need action. If you love me, you obey my commandments, as Jesus says, and as other ways John's has um, phrased it even in this letter. And so a part of it, you know, as we're winding down the show here, is this idea of, well, listen to God and to do it. Well, we teach our kids that proper obedience is all the way, right away, and with a happy heart. We get that not just because it sounds good and it 
kind of flows off the tongue. But that's the type of obedience God wants us. God wants us to have a joyful obedience, realizing what we are doing is because he loves us. As John has loved his readers and then all who believe the this idea of um you know us and you are not just him and his readers he's including all of Christians this is how we are to go so when john tells us to test the spirit he's expecting us to hear it and to do it when jesus says go make disciples of all nations he expects us to hear it and do it mm-hmm. and to to think about what this now means in it and as james says just don't be here of the word but doers yeah yeah absolutely <clears throat> i think that's vitally important you want to know what the word of god is saying to the you want to you want to read it in its context 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 understand how it was written to the 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 reader as they would have understood it and then so we can rightly understand what's being said and then how does that apply in our lives today how do we apply that so therefore we can walk in accordance to the word of god and um, as we'll continue to see in this book that christ says if you love me, keep my commandments. And John's going to reiterate that in this book. If you know, if you love God, keep his commandments. Well, how would you know what the commandments are if you don't read the word of God? How would you know what God expects or requires of those who are his children? You know, so you wouldn't know those things if you don't read the word of God. And so therefore we should desire to read the word of God. If you um, do not have a desire for the things of God, you really have to ask yourself, why? Why do I not have that desire? If I claim to be a Christian, if I go to church, if I go and you know tell everybody I'm a believer, but I don't have the desire for the things of God, I don't have a desire for his word, I don't have a desire to be a member and someone who's faithful in my church attendance, um, why is that? Are you, an uns- are you unsaved if you miss church? No. But if you don't have a desire to be there in the gathered body, serving, using the gifts that God has given you for the benefit of the others in that local body, why? Why not? You know? So it's, very, it's vitally important for the life of a believer to be a member of a local church so they can grow. But then it's also vitally important for that believer to study to show themselves approved so that they can be a Berean and test the things that are being taught to them. Because even if you have a good godly pastor, he's not going to get everything right. And so you want to be able to test things. And then in love, iron sharpens iron. You know? So that's my last uh, thoughts, Mike. Anything you want to say before we close it out tonight? Yeah, I think I've said what the spirit has laid upon my heart to say all right god bless that's been g220 radio for tonight this has been episode number 479 the spirit of truth and the spirit of error until next week this chapter of first john chapter four god bless and good night